All right, welcome back to Maloney, Floria, and Mago. Last night, the Boston Bruins announced 7 p.m. that they have relieved one Bruce Cassidy of the head coaching duties for the Boston Bruins. Uh, so now the search continues and to get more information, we're going to go to our Hobo One hotline and bring in our guy, John Bucigras. You see him on SportsCenter. Of course, he's covering the NHL with ESPN. You can see him everywhere. John, how you doing, man? It's Luke, Christian, and Mago. Hello, Lou. Hello, Christian. Hello, Meg. So, hey, what's going on? <laughs> so you, you are like a cryptic tweeter. You know what I mean? Like the Bruins fire him, and next thing you know, I see a picture of uh, Rick Tockett and Cam Neely. I see a picture of, of David Krejci with a bunch of claps. So I want to get your take first off on just the Bruce Cassidy firing, and seems to us that it seems like some of the players around now are starting to talk. Maybe they weren't a big fan of one Bruce Cassidy. I like to have fun with the Twitter kids. Yeah, I enjoy that. You do. It's good. Like to like to stir. It's like to stir it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, Bruce Cassidy as a coach, you know, respected, great X and O's guys. You know, knows how to game plan, how to beat the other team. I mean, it's elite. Obviously, but the amount of games he won as the Bruins head coach. They've been on a great. I mean, the Bruins have been on a great fifteen-year heater. I mean, they're a ninety-plus team for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, three cups appearances in nine years. Should have beat the Blues. Obviously, beat the Canucks. Um, Cassidy wasn't there for that, but you know his communication skills and people managing. You know, it's for some is have been difficult to deal with. You know, kind of kind of a running commentary on the bench, which players sometimes hear and maybe they think, hey, "Geez, I wonder what he's saying about me." You know, and that's not uncommon. I'm sure a lot of coaches throughout history, you know, talk a lot on the bench, and you know, I'm sure I work with John Tortorella at ESPN, and um, you know, he's very vocal on the bench. But every ex player I talk to. Uh, this year, going around as ESPN's back in the NHL game, they love Torts, love playing for him, favorite coach. So it's a delicate thing. And, uh, you know, the motivational tactics he uses, certainly, you know, really harsh in young players especially. And that, that that's the part which probably as the Bruins are looking to go forward with perhaps a younger core, I don't want to call it a rebuild. I think they got too many good pieces to do that. But, you know, his his voice, I think, was growing tired. I think players probably in the exit meetings, from what I was told, kind of, you know, voiced their opinion about him. I don't think it's a new thing, but uh, certainly when the when a window comes and the, the success isn't real deep in the playoffs, it, it gives a GM rope perhaps to make a move. And it could have been mutually exclusive of, of just, hey, this is his time. There is a – even something Torch told me this year, there is probably a life expectancy for a coach at some point in the room, especially if Marchand's still going to be around and Pasternak's still going to be around if Bergeron comes back. So I think it really was he's kind of a comment in terms of he's in to win and then, it, and then after a while kind of wears out his welcome. So, yeah, so I think the thing that I'm focusing on is this, uh, this communication aspect. So do you think it was like the younger players that were complaining who, in my opinion, really have no right – uh, or do you think it was more of the older players that saw it being an issue moving forward? Yeah, I think it's more the younger players in terms of, you know, obviously he's not going to say the same things that Patrice Bergeron and, and Brad Marchand as he is for younger players. He just won't go there. Uh, but, yeah, just kind of, you know, playing some mind games with them to talk about their role. Maybe it's not going to work out here. And some kid's on his first deal. Well, looking for his next deal, like, what does this mean? Do I go talk to my agent? Do I talk to anybody about this? It, it, it's, you know, hey, man, when I was young, I was, you know, I'm from a generation that was coached really hard. I had a coach slap me in high school once that echoed throughout the front corridor, you know. That's just how it was. 
I didn't go tell my parents. I just got, oh, maybe I got to be better. I'll figure it out. And then, you know, it's different now. And uh, not that Bruce Cassidy ever put his hands on anybody like other coaches have, but we've read about in the last five, ten years. It's not that. It's just, man, he's firm, he's hard, and he got results. And so, but over time, after a couple years of not getting deep results, and if you're looking to get younger, if you're looking maybe now, okay, this window with these certain guys is closing a bit, um, then maybe this is the time to shift because we need these young players uh, to start performing. Otherwise, I'm not going to be here as a GM and, and as a president and as and whomever. So. so you just said that window for these players is closing a bit. Uh, it's closing a bit by your terms. So does that mean that you feel that it has not closed? You said before that it still seems like they have too many good pieces to go into rebuild mode. I do. I mean, you know, if Swayman's your guy and is going to continue to get better, um, and they could go Allmark and Swayman again because, you know, Swayman doesn't have the big contract yet. David Krejci would have come back. You know, Bergeron comes back on a one- or two-year deal. You know, Marchand, obviously these post-surgery things can take time. Charlie McAvoy's in his prime. He's an elite top five, top ten defenseman in the NHL. They just signed Lynn Holm. And they have a pretty good core of players. If you get lucky with a draft pick or a development player or a UFA, a trade, you know, Jake DeBrusque is still going to be traded. I don't, I, I don't see why this window is necessarily that closed. But when you look at the age of Martian and Bergeron and you look at Toronto with Matthews and Marner and you look at the age of those guys, they're coming. Florida's coming. Toronto's coming. And these are teams of own division. Tampa's still good. Their goalie's still 28 years old. they got probably two more years left in their window. So, yeah, so now you look at their own division, you realize, geez, we're fourth in our own division. So unless we really get kind of lucky here, but I still think – you know, especially Pasternak. I look at him like Mookie Betts. He's just a popular player who does so well for your business. He sells so many jerseys. Everyone loves him. There's got to be a way to keep him around and work around him. I know you could probably get a load for him, especially at the draft. Someone might bite, and especially a high market team who's looking to get back in the game, Flyers, a team like that. And maybe you got to look into it. You offer him the best deal you can this summer, and if he doesn't take it, you got to move him now. And, uh, and so these are the decisions they're going to have to make. And, and, and obviously right now the ownership feels that Neely and, and Sweeney are those guys. And, uh, but, yeah, the whole Bergeron thing is fascinating to me. I could see him running the Bruins in a couple of years. Like, I could see him being the president, like taking hmm. you know, the, the Cam Neely position at some point. I think he's, you know, I, I think he's kind of built for that. He's a guy who they want to mirror him in the organization. And, and, and I think we could be in the early stages of that. It would be very interesting to watch what his ambitions are. All right, we're talking to John Bucci-Gross of ESPN. He's covering the playoffs, uh, NHL playoffs. Um, John, so uh, locally, I think a lot of people's reaction to it was they got rid of the wrong guy. And a lot of people looking at Sweeney and Cam's relationship and saying, you know, I think Bruce Cassidy got the most out of this team that didn't have much depth, that didn't have a second-line center, that was thin at the blue line until they got Lindholm. And, you know, Sweeney's the one that didn't draft well, you know. So it's just, I think locally... People feel like Sweeney was probably the guy to go. How do you think Sweeney has done? I think that relationship with Cam has affected it. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how much the Jacobs pay attention. I don't know how much, you know, if they would let Neely fire Sweeney or, hey, this is your guy. We'll give you a couple more years, see what you do. You're attached to him. We're not going to bring another GM in. Uh, the next move would be to bring in, like I said, a, a new president, a new point man to hire his GM and to hire his coach. So it is kind of a weird thing there because, you know, Swinney hires a young guy, probably going to be inexpensive. So, again, it probably could be a short-term deal, maybe two or three years. He won't have a lot of leverage if it is a minor league guy or a college guy. 
then obviously if it doesn't work out the next year or two, then you can fire everybody. It won't be that expensive for the coach uh, to buy him out or to mm-hmm. let him go and then start again. President, you hire the GM, you hire the coach, and here's the next wave of Bruins led by obviously McAvoy as your point guy, and then you, you go from there. But the draft picks aren't there. It's going to be tough to acquire high-level elite talent unless you get really lucky in late first or second, third, fourth round. And, uh, and that's why, obviously, for them, it's tempting to trade Pasternak now. you got a lot out of him. He might demand $10, $11 million a year. You might not want to go there. And so you try to get the most you can with one year left. You know, you're not going to get a whole bunch as if he had three or four, but there might be something there. So it's a weird time. I still think yeah. it's, they're a good team, and they owe the fan base a good a good effort next year, especially if Bergeron and, and they can somehow get Krejci to come back. So how attractive is this job then? Like is it is it considered? Sort of I mean, obviously it's a you know obviously the market you know a, you know a storied franchise, but uh, how attractive is it for for uh, for a future head coach of the Bruins? Uh, it's just one that whether you're a broadcaster, a GM, or coach, or a player. I mean, Boston is a you know it's a top three to five NHL market. It's just a great city to live in, great fan base. It's where you want to be. It's got juice in the building uh, all the time, and yeah, it's good to, and like I always felt. I remember back in the day when Rex Ryan got hired by the Bills. Why would Rex Ryan uh, sign a coach with the Bills? Because there's 30 jobs in the world like that, and he makes $4 million a year. Who's going <laughs> to say no to that? It's, these fans are funny. Oh, who won't take this job? They're like, because it's 3 or $4 million a year. That's, you figure that out later. You know, First you take the contract, then you try to win. But I know your point uh, in terms of the future, but when you have a McAvoy and a Swayman, and like I said, if they re-sign Pasternak, uh, that's a real good job, and it's a great city. And, and so, yeah, it's a very attractive job. So I want to ask you about some of those names. You talk about a lot of people looking at Barry Trotz, right, who was just let go of the Islanders. You, in your cryptic tweeting ways, John, throughout uh, Rick Tockett, <laughs> who actually teammates of Cam Neely. So in your mind, when you look at who's out there, there's a lot of openings out there in the NHL. Who do you think some of the yeah. top two or three candidates would be a good fit here in Boston? Well, yeah, it depends which way they go. Like you said, if they're going to go young and they feel like that was a problem, then they may go with, you know, Jay Leach, a minor league guy. Nate Lehman's a real, I think, could be a good NHL coach in Providence. He's been around prospects his whole life, world junior gold medal winning coach, national champion coach at Providence in Boston against Jack Eichel and BU in 2015. I think he's got the cachet and resume and presence to be an NHL head coach. So, you know, that's the question. But if you're, if you got Bergeron and Marchand, and Pasternak, is that a good fit for him? I think he could be because, obviously, you know, they're two, three years away. So it could be a bridge. So maybe he could bring a young guy like that. But So that, that's just how they decide how they're going to do this. If they're going to go with an impact guy, I don't think Barry Trotz is the fit here. Um, but it's, it feels like they're going to go with that young guy and really try to bank on some of these prospects who haven't hit yet. Um and and that's that's tricky, man. That's that's a big gamble to take. So, John, completely, you know, squirrel moment on my part. Uh, you know, dealing with a sport that, that I that, that I know you follow. I'm sure you're following the NBA Finals, and you're you know you're looking at like you know what happened with Draymond Green in Game Two. I'm just curious. We had Robert Parrish on. We've had other guys, older players, talk about what they would do back in their day. How would how would how would hockey handle Draymond Green? Like a guy like Draymond Green, would somebody have to go out and just drop the gloves and just attack him right away, or would it be the subtle like you know high road approach? Well, certainly in the hockey terms, if you run around and hit guys, eventually you have to fight. Like you, you got to fight to do that, otherwise you lose all the respect from players, and occasionally you got to throw them. 
And um, so, yeah, so th- – and I think he would do that. If he played hockey, he would chirp and he would hit and he would play physical and he would fight. And, uh, and it would pro- be probably a decent player. So, you know, certainly we in Boston, they see Brad Marchand, how he chirps and gets under people's skin and will play a physical game with hip checks and, and low bridges and, and stuff like that, and he, the ultra competitor. And, they, and that's what, obviously, Draymond Green is. I can't believe how much he bullied the referees the other night after that first technical. That was, like, so obvious. They completely, you know, bowed to him the rest of the game. So, as a hockey player, I think Draymond would – drop the gloves and occasionally fight knowing that, Hey, I have to do that. If I'm going to do that, that's the, that's the hockey, you know, uh, comparison for that. Well, I don't know. PK Subban got away with it all dropping the gloves. So, you know, especially yeah, here in Boston, he, that's he, how we view him. Yeah. And he Seems occasionally so. fought. Remember he fought, he fought Trent Frederick. He would, yeah. PK would have benched. But I work with him now and uh, he's not a very big guy. So it's like, <laughs> they put all the equipment on. You think they're really big. It's like, that guy's not big at all. You know? So uh, you think they should fight all the time. All right, he's ESPN's John Bucci-Gross. John, listen, we appreciate you taking the time, man, talking a little uh, NHL, a little Bruins, uh, Bruce Cassidy with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, love the show. Listen all the time. Thanks, uh, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, appreciate John. it.